Hello. Y'all can find your seats now. I was going to start with a joke, but Christopher told me that I'm only funny about twice a year, and I've already reached my quota. So no jokes tonight. I know. I'm just naturally hilarious. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to start with a joke. That's lame. Um, well, hello. It's good to be with you guys tonight. I'm super pumped. And man, those Live Dead testimonies, my gosh, just everything God's been doing, it's like so cool, right? I'm super pumped. So we're going to get started pretty much right away. I'm going to read something, and then we're going to pray, and then we'll jump in. Cool? Okay. So we're reading from Mark 3, 13 through 19, up on the screen. All right. Jesus went up on a mountainside, and he called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Jesus, we love you, God. We just, um, God, we invite you into this time, Lord. I just pray that um, these words tonight wouldn't be mine, Lord, they'd be yours, and that you'd speak to our hearts and you prepare the soil, um, Lord. And, and as we ask hard questions, Lord, would you um, just prepare the way for that, Lord? Open our hearts, open our minds. We love you, Jesus. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. So we uh, decided to do this um, sermon series on the people that Jesus encountered, and uh, Jordan did an incredible job last week talking about Jesus. Um, so cool. And so this first week we thought, well, hey, you know, let's just start with um, let's start with someone like pretty easy, you know, like really approachable, like friendly, you know, someone that people really like. Let's um, let's start with Judas. Let's start with Judas, and let's have Katie preach. So I'm just kidding, actually. I volunteered, which is surprising. Um, but I volunteered to talk about Judas, and I'm so pumped. This is a character that um, God has really, really given me an opportunity to study over the past like year and a half. It's been kind of on and off, gotten to study him. And this story is like super dear to my heart, which probably sounds kind of weird. Um, but if you'll bear with me, maybe by the end, um, it'll mean something to you too. But um, Judas, so what do we think of when we think of Judas? I have a picture for us. <laughs> is this what we think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is definitely what I thought like most of my life. Um, I was like, oh, Judas, like, he's, like, in a corner, like, sneaking around, like, up to no good, you know, he's, like, super creepy and, like, dirty, like, this is, this is, like, how I view Judas, which is totally wrong, but anyways, this is Judas, um, and you don't really have to have a background in church to, like, think this, like, most people know they think Judas is scary, and they're like, oh, yeah, he's the one who betrayed Jesus Christ, right, so most of us know that, um, and actually, some of what we think about Judas isn't, isn't too far um, from the truth, from what we, like, interpret from Scripture, the stories that we read. So um, the Bible actually makes it pretty clear that he was a thief. It says that as the keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Um, there's a story, it's a beautiful story, where this, uh, this woman comes and she breaks a super expensive bottle of perfume on Jesus' feet and um, just as an act of worship. 
And Judas is there, and he's like, you know, they're having this, like, moment. And, and Judas is like, um, excuse me, why, why was this not sold and the money given to the poor? You know, he's like, I object. Um, and so, but scripture says that he really wasn't trying to serve the poor. He was just trying to serve himself for his own ends. He was taking money out of the money bag. So we know he's a thief. Um, the Bible also says that he was a traitor. Dun, dun, dun. Um, He's a traitor. Uh, we all can, like, picture that scene in the garden um, before Jesus goes to the cross where Judas comes up to him, and he betrays him with a kiss. It's like, talk about low, you know, <laughs> like, betrays him with a kiss. Who is this guy? And a lot of us think, too, that um, Judas betrayed Jesus for money. Talk about the 30, 30 pieces of silver, you know, that he got. Um, but I don't think that Judas betrayed Jesus for just money. I actually think he betrayed Jesus for what he loved most, which um, we're going to find out what that was. So we're going to back this up a little bit and try to get some background on Judas um, because some of what we think is probably true, but a lot of what we think probably isn't true too. Um, and so we're going to back this up and kind of try to paint a more realistic portrait of who Judas was. Cool? Yes? Cool. Okay, so... Judas Iscariot. Um, Judas is literally the Greek form of the name Judah, which is the tribe that Judas was a part of, okay, the tribe of Judah. Um, and Iscariot literally means man of Kerioth or Kerioth. So Judas Iscariot is essentially Judah of Kerioth, okay? And there is something um, about the Bible that some of you may know this, but um, is a very, very, very important fact. And um, it is this. The long-awaited and much-anticipated Messiah, the promised Savior of Israel, was prophesied to come through one tribe, one tribe only. Can you guess what it is? It's really hard. Yes, good job. <laughs> Straight A's. Um, yes, the tribe of Judah. This is the tribe of Judas, okay? He's like a part of the it tribe, okay? Um, you can imagine like every family, they have a son, and they're like, oh my gosh, like, could this be the Messiah? You know, I mean, this is like the tribe that he's supposed to come through. So I can imagine Judah's parents were probably thinking the same thing. They were like, he could be the Messiah. He could be the Savior of Israel, right? Um, and if nothing else, they definitely trained him to be very aware of anything that had to do with the Messiah, the coming kingdom, right? So they're thinking, you know, be ready to serve God and Israel, whatever it takes. Any, any chance you have for power or influence, you got to take that, right? So this is how he's being trained. Um, and... Not only was he a part of this chosen tribe, but he also was born into a time of, of real turbulence, okay? So Israel is, um, is under the rule of the Roman Empire. They've kind of taken over. There's Roman soldiers everywhere. They're governing. The Israelites are super unhappy, and they're like, when is the Messiah going to come? They think that this Savior is going to come and, and rid them of Roman rule forever, okay? Does that make sense? So this is the tribe. This is the time in which Judas is born. Um, Judas, he's a cream of the crop. This guy is, like, really smart, okay? He knows what's up. He's not stupid. This is not Gollum, okay? Actually, if we're going to pick, we're going to go with our Lord of the Rings uh, analogy. It probably would look something more like this. <laughs> I love Boromir. <laughs> Anybody else in here love Boromir? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I love him. Man, I love him a lot. <laughs> yeah, Sean. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah, you look just like that, Sean. 
Yeah. Um, just kidding. Uh, Vormir. So here we see this. I mean, super attractive. He's like really confident. Really like. I mean, he's he's like made to be a leader, right? He's gonna like do whatever it takes for his people. He's like destined for the throne. This guy has the makings of a hero. And this this is Judas. Okay, this is kind of the closest thing um, we see to him. And and Judas, like Boromir, he's ultimately gonna have this this really big decision to make. Um, we're going to get there, too. So we kind of have this backstory. We kind of see a picture of, of who Judas was, like, like his family and maybe what his mindset might have been. Um, so how, how does he get involved with Jesus? Well, scholars actually think that um, it's pretty likely that Judas was present um, at the teaching of John the Baptist. I don't know if you guys know who John the Baptist is, but he is a Kind of kind of wild dude um, who came out of the wilderness. Uh, he was actually Jesus' cousin. He was a prophet. Um, and he came, and he is, he's teaching this radical message, and he's telling the Israelites, look, you need to repent and be baptized because the kingdom of God is coming. The Savior is coming. The Messiah is coming. You need to, you need to get things in order before he comes. Right? He's preparing the way. So he's causing quite a ruckus um, in the country, uh, to say the least. And so remember, Judas is like, He's, like, trained to, you know, anything related to the Messiah, the kingdom, right? He's, like, on it. So he hears about John the Baptist, who's, re- who's preaching this, like, radical message, and he's like, I got to be there. got to check this guy out. So he goes, and, and I think it's pretty likely, too, that um, Judas was actually one of John's disciples. Um, it's not, not too far uh, fetched to think that. And so Judas is, is following John around, and then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up as he does. Um, Jesus shows up. We don't actually have um, any, any record of their first encounter like we do with some of the other disciples, but there seems to be a pretty like solid trend among the disciples um, in their first encounters with Jesus, and it's kind of like this. Jesus shows up. He says, follow me. They leave everything, and they follow him pretty simple. doesn't happen. Um, there's a lot more to it than that, but, but I think that's pretty much what happened with Judas. He saw something in Jesus. It was electrifying. He's like, who is this guy? And Judas, remember, he's like, when Jesus says, follow me, th- this holds a whole other realm of possibility and potential, right? Because Judas is like, could this guy be the Messiah, the Messiah I've been waiting for, that I've been, I've been trained to look for, trained to maybe even be, you know? Um, he is he is not going to miss his opportunity, right? So he follows Jesus. One of my favorite authors, Dorothy Sayers. And no, I am not related to her, although I really wish that I was. This is a fun fact. My full name is actually Dorothy Catherine Sears, okay? Um, so if you ever hear anyone calling me Dorothy, Dottie, Grandma Dot, I was that for Halloween, um, that's what it comes from, and I'm not an old lady, but I will be one day, and it'll probably fit me better then, um, but <laughs> Dorothy Sayers, wish I was related, but we're not, um, but she is brilliant, and she's going to kind of paint um, a portrait of us, uh, a portrait of Judas for us at this point. He's, he's joined in with Jesus. He's one of the disciples now, okay? So Judas, he is infinitely the most intelligent of all the disciples, and he has the boldness and drive that belong to a really imaginative brain. He can see all the political possibilities of the kingdom, but seeing as he does only with his intellect and not with his heart, 
he will fall into a deeper corruption than any of the others are capable of. He has the greatest possibilities of them all for good and therefore for evil. He is an opportunist, and he is determined that when the kingdom comes, he shall have the chief hand in the business. Jesus knew all men, and he knows well enough the knife edge of risk that Judas represents. It is the risk that has to be taken because the kingdom must always reckon with such men as Judas, who can be the greatest saints or the greatest sinners. The greatest saints or the greatest sinners. Bold, imaginative, great potential, brilliant. There's not really words we would use typically to describe Judas, am I right? <laughs> not when we're thinking that picture of Gollum, right? That's not, that's not what we're thinking. Um, but I think those words are a lot closer to the truth than we realize or that we'd like to admit. Luke 6 says um, about Judas that he was the one who became a traitor. I don't think he started out that way. He didn't start out as a traitor. He became one. Um, Judas wasn't, wasn't Gollum. <laughs> he was a friend. He was a friend to the, to the disciples and to Jesus. He was their friend. In Acts 1, we see the only reference to Judas after his death and, and all of that. The only reference in the New Testament, and this is Peter speaking here, um, one, of the, one of the disciples, and he's, he's talking about Judas, and he says, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. It is written in the Psalms, May his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Who served as a guide? Peter's like, he's making this betrayal sound almost like it was just like, oh, he's just serving, you know, he's like doing his ministry. I mean, literally, I don't think he could be more honoring in this situation. And Peter, of all people, like Jordan said last week, he said he has a foot-shaped mouth. <laughs> um, Peter, of all people, would be the one to like go off on Judas, right? I mean, this guy betrayed Jesus. He betrayed the disciples. So you'd think he'd just be like, man, you know, blah, blah, Judas. But he doesn't. He says he served as a guide. He was one of our number. He shared in our ministry. And that's it. That's, that's all we hear of, of Judas in the New Testament. No other New Testament writer uh, mentions him, not even to use him as an example of like, here, don't do this. Um, nobody else. And I think, I think it's because it hurt them too deeply to talk about him. I think it hurt him a lot to talk about him. Um, you think about if you have a friend in your life that um, even on a small scale, someone that, that you really loved, that you cherished, that walked really closely with you, that you saw all the possibilities of who they could be, and then they walk away from it and they leave it all. They make a horrible decision, you know. They betray you, what it, whatever it looks like. It's not really something you, like, want to talk about with your buddies, you know. It's not like, this is, is, like, pretty weighty, you know. It hurts. It hurts to talk about those things. And so I think it hurt the disciples to talk about it. It was really sad. It was really hard. Um, because Judas, he's their friend. He's their brother. He's their companion. He was with them for two years. They lived life together. Okay? And he was Jesus' friend, too. And here's something we have to understand Jesus had hope for Judas. He had hope for Judas. Jesus saw the possibilities of the kingdom. He saw the possibilities of Judas. He saw all that he could be, all the potential, 
And so he took a risk. He took a risk on Judas. We're going to talk more about this um, in just a few minutes, but Jesus had hope for Judas. They were friends. They were brothers, okay? We have to understand this. So what happened? What happened? Well, remember, our girl Dottie, uh, she says, but seeing as he does only with his intellect and not with his heart, he will fall into a deeper corruption than any of the others are capable of. Seeing as he does only with his intellect and not with his heart. Judas was committed to his ideas. He had it all right in his mind. He could see Jesus had all the makings of the Messiah, right? I mean, literally, Jesus would have been the perfect leader of a giant rebellion against Rome, okay? He's raising people from the dead. He's healing people. That'd be very handy. Um, He's feeding thousands of people with, like, you know, two loaves of bread. Like, this guy is literally perfect, and the people love him. They want to crown him king, all this stuff. He keeps saying no. I mean, Judas is like, this guy is amazing, right? He's got to be the Messiah. Look at all that he's doing. Um... And, and so that's what Judas thinks, but he missed it. He missed everything that Jesus was about. He totally missed it. And here's something else that we have to understand. Um, God's plan was not to build an earthly kingdom of brick and mortar, but to build a heavenly kingdom of men and women. God doesn't want things. He wants people, Okay. He doesn't want things. He doesn't need them. He doesn't want power, influence, or, or, you know, buildings or whatever. He doesn't need those things. He wants people. And Judas, he totally, totally missed that. He missed that. He had no idea what kingdom he was actually serving. Winky Prattney, holla, he's awesome. He was here a few weeks ago. Um, He says this. He says, bitterness is when someone does something to you, okay? So you get hurt, you like hold on to that hurt, you get better, okay? Offense is when someone does not do something for you that you think that they should, okay? So you have an expectation, and then they don't meet that expectation, and you get offended. You hold on to that offense. Judas wasn't bitter. Jesus didn't like do something to him that made him bitter. He was offended. He, he took offense. He became offended. Because Jesus did not do what Judas thought the Messiah should do. They're with each other for like two years. Judas is like, okay, any day now, you know, Jesus is going to like step up. He's going to lead this army. We're going to fight Rome. We're going to be done, you know. And every day he's thinking that. He's like, okay, it's another month, you know, like what is this going to happen? And over time he gets more and more frustrated and more and more disappointed. He's like, what is Jesus doing? He's not doing anything keeps healing people and stuff, but he's, he's not taking action. Like, why isn't he doing anything? So Judas is like, you know what? I'm going to help Jesus out. I'm going to help him out. I'm going to put him in a position where he has to use his power against Rome, and then he'll see what he can do. Then he'll see who he's supposed to be, and everything will fall into place, right? <laughs> it's a pretty smart move, actually. Um, pretty smart Judas probably even thought Jesus was going to thank him, you know. <laughs> Jesus is like, oh, thank you, Judas. I'm only the son of God. So, thank you. Um, <laughs> Judas was going to help Jesus out. And then in one horrifying moment, he brings the guards up to Jesus, you know, in the garden. 
And he's handing him over, and he's like, all right, this is it. Jesus is finally, he's going to do something. He has to now because now there's all these soldiers, all these people. He's got he's to step up and do something. And Jesus does nothing. He does nothing. He lets the soldiers take him away to be slaughtered, and he barely says a word. And Judas is like, oh, crap. <laughs> what have I done? What have I done? This is not this did not go according to plan, right? He's like, what happened? Rarely does someone become all bad all at once. It is one choice at a time. One choice at a time. Um, Luke twenty two three says it, it records this this one moment says then satan entered judas we read that and we're like okay so judas was like was like good and then satan entered him and then he's bad and it's like well that doesn't seem fair that's kind of it just like took over you know um that doesn't seem fair why didn't jesus do something about that you know but i don't think it's a black and white thing i think that 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 verse um scripture is simply recording for us the final moment in a long succession of choices that judas had been making Ultimately, they were choices to pursue his own ideas, what he thought was right, what he thought the Messiah should be, what he thought the kingdom should be, not to pursue Jesus himself, to pursue his own ideas. Judas could believe with his mind that Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior of Israel, you know, the leader of this coming rebellion, but he could not believe or understand with his heart that Jesus was the Son of God, the savior of the whole world, and ultimately Judas' friend. He couldn't believe it. He missed it. But as interesting as his story is, this story isn't really about Judas. It's about the people Jesus encountered, right? It's Judas and Jesus and their encounter. Um, Scripture doesn't really record too many of their encounters. I'm sure they had a lot of um, just experiences and conversations and stuff throughout their friendship, but scripture only records three of those for us, three encounters between Judas and Jesus. And the first I mentioned just a few minutes ago when uh, when Judas, or when the, the woman comes with a bottle of perfume and she breaks it, you know, over Jesus in this act of worship, and Judas is like, why didn't you give that to the poor, you know? So what does Jesus say here? Um, John 12 records this for us. John 12, 7 through 8. Jesus, this is his response to Judas. He says, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. You'll always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. It's like Jesus is like, Judas, do you see me? Like, do you see me? Like, hello, (laughs) hello. You are so caught up in your ideas of who you think I should be and the way you think things should be run that you are missing it. You are missing me. I'm standing right in front of you. You will not always have me. The second encounter that we see um, is is at the, the Passover meal. It's the last supper that the disciples have with Jesus before Jesus goes to the cross. And um, Matthew 26 uh, has this for us. It says, When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. And they were very sad, and they began to say to him one after the other, Surely not I, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who's dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go, just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. 
it would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. Yes, it is you. Judas is like, Come on, Jesus. Like, I got your back. I'm going to take you. I'm going to help you out. <laughs> and Je- Jesus is like, No, like, you don't get it. You, you, <laughs> you don't realize what you're doing. Like, this is, this is the last opportunity that he gives Judas to make a choice. What if Judas had just been, like, honest with Jesus, been like, hey, like, I don't understand. Like, what is this kingdom thing? Like, I think it's this, but what do, what do you say it is? Like, will you, will you teach me? Will you show me? But he doesn't. He doesn't ask him. <laughs> and Jesus is like, it's you. Wake up. Wake up. The last encounter that we see um, is the one that we just mentioned. It's also recorded in Matthew 26 in the garden. Then he returned, this is Jesus, he returned to the disciples and he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go, here comes my betrayer. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. And with him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them, the one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus replied, Friend, do what you came for. Friend, do what you came for. Luke adds these words from Jesus. He says, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? We talked about the Son of Man last week. Um, Essentially what Jesus is saying here is, Judas, would you really give up the God who created you, the only one fit to be Lord of your life, the one who wants a relationship with you, your friend, would you give him up with a kiss? Judas is standing right in front of the son of the living God. (laughs) He just just gives him up. I'm going to invite the band to come on back. Y'all can come back now. Um, As we get to a close, so what did Jesus want from Judas? talking a lot about Judas. What did Jesus want? It's pretty simple, actually. Um, He wanted his friendship. He wanted Judas to be his friend. He wanted a relationship with him. Judas isn't so different from us, is he? (laughs) Jesus isn't doing what we think that he should do, what we want him to do, so we manipulate people in situations. We take offense. We're like, Jesus, let me just help you out. (laughs) Let me set up this situation for you so it'll work out according to my plan. How often do we do that? It's funny, Charles just said this a few minutes ago, but um, Matthew 6 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where is your treasure? What kingdom are you serving? What kingdom are you building? We get so caught up in our own ideas of who God is, of who we think that he should be. We get caught up in just these like pathetic ambitions, these like empty pleasures 
all of this stuff, and we miss the Son of God when he's, when he's looking at us right in the face, and he's like, hello, wake up, do you see me? Are you caught up in your ideas, your own ambitions, your aspirations, your own pleasure, your own happiness? Or is your treasure found in a person? Is it found in Jesus? It's pretty crazy. Um, Judas had a throne. Did you know that? There's this, uh, there's this passage in Matthew 19 um, that's really easy to skip over if you're just like reading through it and you like, kind of barely glance at it. But um, when you look at it, it's pretty insane. Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones. Not 11, 12 judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Everyone who has left the things they love most for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Judas had a throne. He had a throne in the coming kingdom. Jesus, remember we talked about Jesus had hope for him? He didn't just have, like, hope, like, I hope it'll be great, but he had, like, a plan for Judas. He was like, you're gonna, you have a throne, I want you to rule, I have all these things lined up for you. And it's crazy, it's, like, so insane, because this is exactly what Judas wanted, right? This was his treasure. He was like, I want a place in the kingdom. If I'm not gonna be the Messiah, I want to be in the inner circle with him, you know? I want power, I want to overcome the Romans, all of these things. And Jesus is like, you would have had that. But you put those things first instead of me. You made those things your treasure instead of me. If you made me your treasure, you would have gotten this. And what does he say here? He says, for my sake, we'll receive a hundred times as much. He's like, not only would you have gotten what you wanted, but you would have gotten more if you'd made me your treasure. If you'd made me the one that you long for. crazy. Will you trade Jesus for the thing that you love most? Would you give him up for some simple simple thing? <laughs> your own happiness, your own contentment, your own aspirations? We've asked a lot of hard questions tonight. It's kind of a weighty, weighty character and a weighty story, but um, I want to just leave us with like one question to think about as we end, okay? Um, where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? What is it? What is the thing that you love most? What or who can you not live without? What is that, what is that thing? And if you're still unsure, this is kind of a test that we have for that. How, how do we figure out what is our treasure? We have a test for that. It's why do you do the things you do and who do you do them for? Okay, why do you do the things you do, and who do you do them for? I'm going to leave that up on the screen for just a a couple of seconds. Um, Where is your treasure? What is it? Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Right? Jesus, we love you. God, we love you, Lord. I, I just ask... 
um, right now as we, we ask ourselves these questions, God, would you highlight those things in us, Lord? Help us not to, to be stubborn or to be afraid, but to be willing. God, would we be honest with you? Would we not just be so caught up in our own ideas of who we think that you are, our own ideas of, um, of what we want you to be, God, our own aspirations, our own ambition, our own pleasure, our own happiness and contentment? God, would we, would we be honest with you and ask you, what's true? God, we want you. We don't want anything else. We want you. We want you, Jesus. Help us, Lord, as we, as we ask these questions, God. We invite you to speak tonight. Holy Spirit, we invite you. We invite you. We love you, Jesus. It's your name we pray. Amen.